0: Now, give a little bit, of uh, give the people a little bit of your, um, of your history All right. in well, terms of.
1: Yeah, I started out a long time ago. Uh, I started kind of learning about this stuff when I was about 10 and my dad went to Israel and he was a pastor and uh, he had had one of his uh, friends that went to israel was living in israel said you know you need to come here because about everything that we studied in uh phillips university to get our pastor uh, credentials was wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> my dad was quite intrigued so he went over in 66 uh, and uh decided to go back and get his phd and eventually uh, got his phd in hebrew studies and then uh, in, uh, 83, he authored this book with, uh, his friend that he went over there with, David Biven, uh, Understanding the Difficult Words of Jesus, and that kind of started, a, a large movement amongst, uh, uh, Christians and Jews both, because really until that time, a lot of people weren't aware of all of the idiomatic speech that is in the New Testament, uh, people had been aware of of a lot of the odd idioms in the uh Old Testament but they didn't really understand the 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 dynamics that were happening between the uh diaspora Jews and the Gal- Galilean Jews and the Judean Jews and uh my Dad had a very brilliant professor named Dr. Aaron Bardone, who mentored him, and he was the one who started the uh, linguistics department here at the University of Texas, and then he started mentoring me when I got old enough to go to school. Oh, wow. And so a lot of the information that he taught me, I was able to apply to uh, looking at the the New Testament, and solve a lot of uh, problems that had been there for 2,000 years because it was going over people's heads that had just studied Greek. And you, knowing a lot of Aramaic, know that there's a lot of differences between the way Greeks think and the way that the Aramaic and the Hebrew is thinking and and dealing with the the language and the theology. So I went back to school and uh, wound up graduating after uh, many, many, many years in graduate school. And uh, I had about 270 graduate hours when I finally got a master's. And uh, I got my master's when I finished the translation of the Gospel of John, and I used a, a text that was a, a codified text that a uh, uh, brilliant guy in the 1800s, uh, Franz Trans- Delitzsch. Yeah, Franz yeah. Delitzsch. And, you know, it's not perfect, but it it brought to life something that everybody had ignored, that there was a Hebrew basis for much of what was going on in the new testament and you know we don't have that document the originals like we don't have really any no. original uh Aramaic or uh, mm-hmm. any Greek and uh we got some real early fragments that uh I was watching a man who's now passed away but he dated these because of the style of writing uh fragments of Matthew to 54 AD. And that is, you know, at least 20 to 30 years before general uh, consensus of scholars are trying to date the the text. And I've always thought it was just, you know, within a few years of Jesus's resurrection, they had to get the word out. And mm-hmm. so I've always thought there was early originals. But that's my background. I, I love digging in the text. And I'm not a uh, kind of a shameless self promoter. And I hate a lot of these people who try to sensationalize everything out there. You know, it's like, I've got people who they're looking for a demon behind every blade of grass, every tree, every stone. And The same way with a lot of Christians, there's a Antichrist behind every politician, you know, every building is inhabited by demons and it's like, you know, Jesus was not a sensationalist. He was very practical. He was very honest with the people, but he spoke in terms of a Jewish theology. That we've never been aware of in Christian circles, in in uh, a lot of the messianic uh, circles, are uh, have moved away from the practicality and moved into very, uh, I would say, a very legalistic interpretation. Not all of them, but there's a, a big group of them, and. Uh, especially the Hebrew rooters are just yeah. really, really into, you know, you can't even uh, pray unless you're praying in Hebrew and saying the name of God and Jesus correctly or God's not hearing your prayers. I mean, it gets to the.
0: the well, see, the funny thing with that is that, you know, uh, usually the rendering of the four letter name they come up with are by individuals who don't know a lick of Hebrew. Yes. which is, Which is always <laughs> hilarious to me. You know, and, you know, to kind of get to what you were talking about with the, you know, the sensationalism and all that stuff, you know, you've worked in translation work. You did the Gospel of John from the Dalage. And I hold the Dalage in very high respect because it helps me to better understand the Greek. Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, oh.
0: me, I'm an Aramaic primist. I did a, a translation of the New Testament from the Yonan Codex, the Kaboris, and the Hoktan. And, you know, with that, you know, that kind of gets into the the idiomatic expression within there that is found actually within both languages in terms of the word Mashiach in Hebrew or Mashiach in Aramaic. Um, we were talking just slightly about that before we went on the air. Uh, Give people the rundown on that. Well,
1: you know, people have this idea of a Messiah, but yet they don't understand the Jewish nature behind these concepts. Mm -hmm. I always tell people there are no standalone concepts in Hebrew, just like the word faith. Faith doesn't exist as this little entity that you see coming down the street. Oh, there's faith. I can see it going down the street. No. Faith is a verbal noun. It's a A concept that doesn't exist unless an action is occurring. And to properly understand the concept of a Messiah, there's a lot of other words that come to bear on that concept, just like the word hope. In Hebrew, hope is unable to be existing unless you have a belief in a physical messiah not a you know some vague phantom uh you know swamp gas version of a messiah but a physical messiah and uh i read an interesting book a couple of years ago and i would recommend people to get it because it's very very good historical look at american judaism how it arose and how it has been the basis for almost all Judaism around the world. It's called The Chosen Wars, How Judaism Became an American Religion by Stephen Wiseman. And he makes the point that when these Jews came to America, they there were no pogroms. They, they had a kind of easy life. And, you know, it, they didn't have a kosher butcher and It was kind of hard for them to keep the faith, but they transferred all of their beliefs of the Messiah having to save them from a physical Messiah to a belief in the state was the Messiah, Mm -hmm. and that somehow this entity would arise every so many years as a Messiah, and that a man would arise, and the spirit of the Messiah would be upon him, and he would be able to help society some way. Mm-hmm. but the problem is that as as you know, states have no dog in the hunt; they don't care about you or care about me or care about anybody. they're an entity they don't care about anything it's only the people who are driving the institution that either make it a good institution or a bad institution but mm-hmm. it's not
0: here to save anybody absolutely you know and, and one of the things that the one of the things i want to get at in terms of that is that the the term messiah you know um moshe robinu was a messiah hezekiah mm-hmm. was a messiah um, That's right, you know, and and, ver- and various others. But there's a difference between a Messiah and the Messiah. When we refer to the rabbinic text in terms of Mashiach ben Yosef and Mashiach ben David, the the suffering Messiah and the conquering King Messiah, both of which are Yeshua. That is above and beyond a Moshe Rabenu or a Hezekiah <laughs> or any of those others.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, and people they don't understand the Old Testament because you know Jesus finished the Old Testament when He said it was finished. They don't understand that that was a mistranslation in the English. It, he actually said, and you can and you pick it up in the the Del Itch, uh translation is he's quoting the Old Testament, and in the Old Testament it says. And God hath done this. Mm-hmm. And use the Greek to tell us die, which actually can be translated. And he has done this. But in English, it doesn't quite come out right. It says it is finished. Well, yeah, no, God did this. It's still a ongoing work in progress. And so the Old Testament's thrown out. They don't study it. And they don't understand Moshe. And they don't understand Hezekiah and they don't understand how these people were messiahs, yeah, but not the Messiah.
0: And to to better to better define the term, you know, because the the, the term, if we were to take it down to, to literal, because the term messiah is essentially a transliteration of Mashiach, is essentially what it is. Yeah. But the word yeah. means anointed one, you know. And so when, right. we look, when we look at that word and we look at some of the false things that have been said all over the internet about this individual, Yanuka, Rav, Shlomo, Yehuda, um, that you see countless YouTube videos about. I think that in yeah. terms of the language and things like that and just grabbing stuff out of thin air. I think there's a lot of stuff that people are really missing and placing together incorrectly.
1: Yeah. And, you know, uh, Jesus equated himself with Yudhei Vavet. And I think it's very clear. You you know, a Jew, even today, you don't come out and say, hey, I'm the Messiah, let's have a parade. (sighs) I'm the Messiah. You know, somebody's gonna throw a big rock and bean you in the head. Jesus proclaimed himself the Messiah by what he did and how he interacted with the people by forgiving them of sins and by healing them. And we we often try to take someone like this, uh, Ralph Shlomo, and try to foist this concept of Messiah on him. when he, he doesn't want that. He He stated, I am not the Messiah. I don't want this. He's a holy person. He's someone not unlike yourself or me or anybody else who wants to get close to God. And they pray and they pray all the time. And they try to understand the deeper relationship with God that we should all have, but most people don't want to take the time to learn it and to put that relationship first in their life. And so here's a young man who, by all accounts, man, he's a righteous individual.
0: He, and there's and there's all, 32 Zedekim? Alive in the world at any given time.
1: Yeah, and and this man preaches God. I mean, he wants you to know God. And he prays for people. And suddenly Christians are saying, well, you know, God healed some people he prayed for. So he must be the Antichrist. And I'm sitting here scratching my head going, well, wait a minute. I, I read about Jews praying for people in the Old Testament. And healings occurred, and people were raised from the dead, and Jesus was a Jew, and he prayed for people, (laughs) and they came back to life. All kinds of miracles occurred. So what's different between these Jews in Jesus's day and this young Jewish man who By all accounts, he's a really nice, righteous person. He loves God, wants you to know God, and blesses God at every turn. You know, you and I were laughing about the other day. We're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Why? Why are why isn't God listening to him just like he would listen to me
0: <laughs> yeah and it, and it's interesting and I've come up with with two theories in terms of that and and I'll just go over there I'll go over those really quickly and then have you kind of comment on it on what your analysis is is of it you know uh first of all, the scripture says you know that um there were these people that were going and uh healing individuals and all the other stuff and you know I think it was kefa came up to Yeshua and said, "Hey dude, we need to make them stop." And there's some modern translation of it, by the way. <laughs> uh, and, and he goes, he goes, "Wait a minute, they' you know, uh demons can't cast out demons if you know, if they're not against us, they're 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 for us. And there's yeah. this concept of everything going through Hashem. Everything comes from Hashem. You know, You if you're going and living your life for Hashem and you're not teaching against the ways of God, you know, first of all, this guy is going to be blessed in in, in doing that. and And secondly, I think a lot of it kind of comes down to there's this tribalism idea that is really bad. And it's one of the things that I've tried to tear down the walls of, you know, as you know, you know, there. i i I work with you know individuals in the christian community you know i try and help them out and i don't sit there and say well you know what you're not doing the torah of hashem so you know but there's a lot of people that it's like if you're not a part of their team you know you have individuals who are baptists that will say you know that uh You know, that uh, uh, John Wesley, just, you know, satanic dude, you know, and all this stuff. And then you have the people of Wesley say the same thing about Calvin and Billy Graham and all this stuff. And it's like, whoa, whoa. I think in many ways people want somebody that is from their own sect, their own denomination, their own uh, way of seeing things. And it kind of goes – And harms them in their feeble minds in many ways that, hey, there, you know, uh, there must be something evil going on here. And that is something that the scripture warns us about in terms of Lashon Hara and Motsi Shem Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there was a a song that I listened to uh, a week or so ago by Tennessee Ernie Ford. Mm -hmm. And it had to do with how... A baby sees Jesus. A white baby will see a white Jesus. A black baby will see a black uh, Jesus. A Asian baby will see an Asian. But yet they all have a relationship with Jesus. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how they are seen. And, you know, we have to understand that revelation is a progressive revelation according to what somebody can handle at time and i've often told people i'm not a astrophysicist and a mathematician and all this stuff and so if god revealed the intricacies of e equals mc squared to me he'd be wasting his time because i don't understand the first thing about it i mean Yeah, I understand that E equals MC squared, but how do you get there? What, What is it about? What do you do with it? And the way God reveals himself to us as Western believers here in this country is different than the way he reveals himself to this young man in Israel. Immersed in this culture, you know, I'm not a Jew. I wasn't raised a Jew. I study it. I understand a lot of it, but for someone like yourself who's been raised in Judaism,
0: I wasn't raised. I converted.
1: <laughs> well, you you went through the process of converting. For right. someone who's been done this, you have a much greater Understanding of the intricacies of it than I do because you've had to be immersed in it. Even more so, this Rav Shlomo, the Yanuka. He's had to live it his whole life. So God can reveal himself through m- many of these nuances that is far different than he relates to me. Mm-hmm. I like to look at a person like this Yanuka as someone who has the capability within his sphere of influence of opening the doors to a greater revelation of who the real Messiah is. It's not that he's an anti-Messiah or an anti-Christ. No. He is someone who can reveal the intricacies of God Udev Ave to the people and possibly draw them into a better relationship with their god and
0: much much in the same way that somebody like a um a uh five five Elevertof or mm-hmm. A, a mm-hmm. rabbi Isaac Lichtenstein or Rabbi yep. Yitzhak kadori did, for instance.
1: Yeah, and and you take someone <clears throat> Uh, all all the way back to Baal uh, Shem Mm Toh. This this man was able to unlock a lot of the the hidden intricacies of the word that were far greater than anybody to his day. And the same thing with this uh, Raul Shlomo. He is so brilliant. He can quote all of these books from memory and all of these old rabbis. It, It reminded me of the story in the uh new testament where jesus goes to the gates and he's about 12 and he's talking to the other rabbis and they're astounded at his level of understanding the text at his age and it's the same thing here it's not that he is uh so much more brilliant than they are it's that they're like man for a young man he has it together like, and they made this comment about uh, Ralph Shlomo, only once in a few generations does someone arise with this level of comprehension of the word. Mm-hmm. And that took me right back to Jesus's day. I'm like, wow, they would have probably said that about Jesus. Only once in a few generations does a man arise like Jesus who has this capability of pulling from here and there from the, the halakha and the, uh, the oral traditions and making it understandable to the masses and what it really means, not just the legalistic, but mm-hmm. it gets to the spirit of what it means.
0: You know what it also reminds me of is I saw, I saw one video where you know a person tried to say, well, it's obvious that he's the Antichrist because of the fact that he knows the entire Old Testament front and back, and he knows the Talmud. And I'm sitting there going, You mean kind of like Paul? <laughs> kind of like Paul. Yeah. You know, that, that yeah. that's what they said about Paul as well. You know?
1: Yeah. You know, it, it is so funny. Uh, our family was friends with Madeline Murray O'Hare.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, God bless her. She was a brilliant lady, but as odd as a $3 bill. And she never, ever had a problem with my father because he knew more about the Bible and what it was supposed to say than she did. She could quote you anywhere in the Bible in the King James, Mm -hmm. but she had no understanding of what it really meant. And she was intrigued by my father, who could explain to her what this stuff meant but she used to just eat pastors up because she knew they didn't know anything about what they were trying to preach on but she could quote it you know that just because someone can quote the Bible doesn't mean they're the antichrist she wasn't the antichrist she was a a pathetic individual but she wasn't the Antichrist. Yeah. And this man is a great individual. He tries to draw people to God. Mm-hmm. So why would we want to say, like you said, he's on our team? Just because a person doesn't necessarily believe in the same Jesus that you do, he believes in God. Yudhei heh is the same God of Yeshua. Do you so, think, in, oh, go ahead. No, it, it's we're all kind of on the same team. Yeah. He's just playing uh, football and we're playing baseball over here.
0: It's interesting because when we go and read, like, you know, Sukkah 52a of the Talmud, you know, or we read Sanhedrin 98, you know, it gives us the context of the Messiah, talking about the Messiah before it is that he came, you know, the two comings of the Messiah, all of these things. And and it's very interesting because the 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 context in which Yeshua or Jesus needs to be seen, in many ways, is not the way that he is seen in the Western culture today, or even in the European culture for that matter. The thing is that um, I think, in many ways, you know, and this really gets into a semantics kind kind of thing, because if you understand the concept of Messiah. And you understand what the Messiah is supposed to do, but then you're told by somebody else, oh, wait a minute, You know, uh, let me tell you who the Messiah is. He's this guy that got rid of the Torah and all this stuff. And a person goes and says, dude, I'm totally rejecting that because you know Deuteronomy 13 says that person's false. First of all, Yeshua never did that, as we both know. But also the thing is, would the person be held at fault for saying, no, I reject that? Or would that be something? The reason why we have the um, the uh, concept of uh, resurrection of the dead that is found within um, Sefer Galut, the Book of Revelation, and coming back when it is that Yeshua comes back the second time.
1: Well, he, here's a problem that goes back to what I was almost going to write my thesis for in uh, my master's program, and my, my Jewish professor, she really wanted me to write it. And that is, people believe certain things, or don't believe certain things, based upon fear, and a bias against the teaching of anything Jewish in the church, okay? Okay. Because the Jews killed Jesus, quote, which they didn't, um, nothing that is Jewish or Hebraic is able to be touched on in Christianity, by and large, because everybody's afraid of everybody. You know, most people have no clue who a Jew is. You know, my friend, he was a a Jew that lived in Oklahoma City, and he'd wear the little Star of David to school. And the kids would come up and say, what's that star you've got around there? And he got so tired of trying to explain what a Jew is that he would start just laughing with him say, oh, it's a ninja star. It's a Jewish <laughs> ninja star. And, you know, you got to understand that there's not very many Jews in the world. Not everybody knows Jews. And the church is talking about Jesus hated the Pharisees. And, well, Jesus was probably a Pharisee. I mean, that's where he got all of the uh, the concepts about yeah. the Messiah and the resurrection. Well, and
0: all of this. Even, and, even the and, book, uh, you know, for instance, one of the things people need to realize about the, the Pharisees is that there are various types of Pharisees um yes. I, in There's many in, in many ways he was going up yeah he was men in many ways going up against the ones who were followers of Shammai. but if you go and you look yeah. for instance i did a commentary on the gospel of mark he's quoting pharisaic texts in agreement over 100 times and yeah and a lot of the times it's the halakha of Hillel, who yeah. was the grandson or the or the grandfather of gamliel who trained that of uh, Paul. That's right. And the interesting thing
1: about the Pharisees is that Jesus calls them hypocrites. Well, mm-hmm. in Judaism in the first century, it, it's like Baptist. It's okay if you're a Baptist to call another Baptist a hypocrite. Yeah. But God forbid a Presbyterian or a Catholic or a Methodist call a Baptist a hypocrite. The world is coming to the end. And it's the same way of the Pharisees in the first century. You could only call a fellow Pharisee a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. So this is one of the greatest proofs that Jesus was a part of this group because he calls them the same thing as a Pharisee would. You Mm -hmm. wouldn't expect that because of some other sect. And a lot of people say, oh, well, he was just independent. But wait a minute, mm-hmm. if Jesus was independent of any other sect, why would he be doing things that's only representative of the one sect
0: yeah. and not
1: any other sect? And there was like 23 different subsects of Judaism, but, uh, you know, he he does everything according to Pharisaical Judaism and this concept of a messiah comes right out of pharisaical judaism and it's a person it's not some swamp gas ethereal cloud it's not a state entity it's not some generational concept it's
0: a person yeah and in in acts chapter 24 paul says you know i'm a pharisee son of a pharisee don't say i was he says i am and then he goes on to list all the things the pharisees believed which was a Messiah, resurrection of the dead, an afterlife, you know, so on and so forth. These are things that the Sadducees did not believe in.
1: Yeah, yeah. And when we look at this young man, you know, realistically, uh, the Orthodox Judaism of today is an outgrowth of the... Uh, pharisaical judaism of jesus's day it's yeah. the only survivor it was the man standing after the fall of the temple you know sadducees died off by and large and most of the other groups are either little teeny groups that nobody belongs to or something but the pharisees they preserved all of these documents and they preserved all of these beliefs even till today and unless you can fully understand them and appreciate the nuances of what's happened, you don't understand how it's changed from the 1600s when America was discovered and today. Mm -hmm. And there's huge difference in old Judaism of Jesus and this Jewish uh, atmosphere that we see today. We we see Jews today who uh, 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 Tova uh, a Singer he, he's one yeah. of them. Who, no Jew ever, you know, did this or that in any number of contexts, and it's like, well, what happened to all these Jews in the first century that followed Jesus and Paul and all? They were doing it, so your whole argument falls apart because historically
0: we know they were doing this yeah you know and plus you know one of the things that tovia singer always does is he has to put on he has to pretend to be a kairite in order to make the points he does because i remember when he told me he said no there was never any jew ever that ever said that isaiah 53 is talking about the messiah and i'm like oh so these guys who wrote (laughs) the talmud that are constantly referring to isaiah 53 about the and quoting Isaiah 53 about the Messiah. They're not Jews. The one of the greatest yeah. rabbis of all time, Rabbi Akiva, not Jewish. The Maharal, not Jewish, Rashi, yeah. not Jewish, the Rambam, not Jewish, Rabinabakah, not Jewish. Really? <laughs> you're not
1: know that. You're not supposed to be quoting that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The the thing is, you're not supposed to know about it. That's why he wants debate people like me anymore instead he'll go and debate kirk cameron <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It, it, you know it, you, you mentioned something here that's very important and that is a lot of this stuff is kept under wraps okay and uh paul who you know i i wrote this whole article that i think his name was never paul it was a I think a mistranslation, but it is he he talks about the mysteries, and he's a big scholar uh and most of his writings go right over the head of Christians because they have absolutely no understanding of the Talmud and all of these oral traditions and stuff that Paul is pulling into the the text. Mm-hmm. But he deals with these mysteries, the sowed, and out of all the Gospels, this is one of the reasons I believe that Paul was actually the author under the tutelage of John, of the Gospel of John, because Mm. it's always full of mysteries. He he talks about the things that are kind of hidden, and it's always couched in rhetoric. And uh, if you look at Romans and and Hebrews, which I think uh, uh, was authored by Paul, he's always talking about these mysteries. And all of these mysteries come right out of the beliefs of the Pharisees Mm -hmm. and this intricate weaving of the story of the Messiah, the Savior, through the oral traditions. That go back and look at the written traditions. So, this has really not been made public to the the average Christian out here.
0: No, you take for instance, one of the things that popped into mind was Philippians chapter two. He mm-hmm. goes and he talks about God emptying Himself and all yeah. that stuff into a into a physical body and all this stuff, which you know relates to the divine the divine Messiah and the thing that's interesting about that is that if i ever had to you know if, if somebody's in in, in uh, uh kabbalah studies and they say i want to understand this concept of zimsum." i say the best definition the easiest definition in terms of that is in philippians chapter 2 that's the concept of zimsum right there he was basically giving A definition of that, of something that was talked about by um, uh, uh, Shimon bar Yochai. Uh,
1: Years later, Paul was given the definition of it. You know, people don't really have a grasp of the nature of the Messiah. They, They really don't. And the Messiah came down to transcend that gulf that had been created in the garden between God and man. And he was able to bring man back into that close relationship across the board that we can enjoy and empty out, so to speak, of God through the Holy Spirit into us. And that, that is, it's hard for us to understand that.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of people just do not get that concept. They just don't get it. No, it, they want to
1: keep the Messiah in a matchbox in their pocket.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's it's kind of a, a make your own Messiah kind of idea.
1: Yeah. And, and we see a lot of that in the churches in that the Messiah becomes a, a if you'll give money, then the Messiah will act on your behalf. Mm-hmm. And it was never about really what we could do for God, because we can't really do anything for God. And, I always go back to Isaiah, and if you go to the end of, I believe it's Isaiah 40, and it it's been a terrible mistranslation. And uh, I showed this to uh, uh, friends of mine that they ran my uh, ministry, and uh, she you know she was super fluent in in Hebrew, and this was years ago when I was studying this stuff and. And she looked at it, and she goes, oh, my God, Roy, you're right. I don't know why I've never seen this before. But (laughs) um, when you go to the end of Isaiah 40, and verse 29 through 31 says, he gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, they'll mount up with wings as eagles and they're going to run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. Yeah. The word in here, basically, uh, it says they are going to exchange power. Okay. Those that eagerly wait for and expect it to come the Messiah. Okay. It says They will exchange power with the Messiah, and then the Messiah will enable them to arise with strength as eagles, and he's going to carry them through so that they don't have fruitless work, and they're going to walk righteously and not grow weary in this uh, unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. And what do you do? You can't exchange power with the state. You can't exchange power with swamp gas. You you can't ex- exchange it with some figmentary ideal uh, ideology. You can only exchange power with someone on a
0: personal basis. Absolutely, you know, and, then, and it's it's interesting because. All the stuff that you're saying goes against one of the things that I keep hearing people say over and over and over again about the yanuka. They say Benjamin Netanyahu is going to announce him any day as the Messiah. They don't understand how these things work if they think that.
1: Well, you know, I don't know. Who's going to be the Antichrist, okay? Mm -hmm. I know that the spirit of Antichrist has been here from time immemorial. I mean, it's always been here. But who is going to stand up and be the Antichrist is going to be someone that is going to fool a lot of people. Well, this guy's not trying to fool anybody. He's coming right out and saying, You need to worship Udhaiva, God. Mm -hmm. Okay. He's not telling people to go worship a false God. He's not telling them to go worship Allah or Buddha or anything else. He's simply telling them, You need to get right with God. So why would that be a
0: an antichrist, yeah, yeah, so many things. You know, it's, it's almost like you know, and the thing that kept coming to my mind every time I was saying these things it's like, okay, so the more that a person is like the messiah, the closer and doing was, what the messiah did, teaching what he taught, all those things, the closer you are to all that, that means you're a bad dude. What, yeah.
1: Yeah, It makes no sense. It's it's like, you know, telling uh, someone who goes out and preaches the gospel, well, you're the Antichrist because <clears throat> you laid hands on somebody and they got healed. It's like, really? How does that work? It, it makes no sense. So I guess but that's that like
0: what, a lot of these deliverance ministers, they must be the anti-Messiah, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, this whole thing, I, I tend to be a very logical individual. If I hear something, I you know, I, all my relatives came from Missouri, the show me state. And I'm like, OK, I must have enough Missourian in me that you're going to have to show me because I don't believe a word you say unless I can go find out what's really true about it. Yeah. And. People just spout stuff off. It's just terrible the way that they try to sensationalize either their website or something to get clicks or, you know, to push themselves because it's not being honest. And it makes Christians look like a bunch of goofy bozos.
0: And those are the things that, you know, here's the thing that you need to realize is that YouTube, in terms of people of faith, they will push the crazy to the top because that's what they want the reflection of believers to be. They want them to be the crazy. The thing is, I right yep. now on YouTube, I could easily get a million subscribers within 10 minutes. You know how I do that? All of my all of my titles would have the words prophecy or antichrist or mystery <laughs> or something like that in the title. And automatically, yeah. you would gain a massive following. And so with that, yeah. I think this is the true reason that people are trying to claim the yanuka is the anti-messiah. Because as soon as you say, I know who the anti-messiah is, there's going to be some bad crap, crazy people who are going to flock to those videos. You're going to get a lot of clout. You're gonna get a lot of a lot of uh exposure, and you know, you're gonna make a nice little dime off. Of anti- it. Anti- Say what you're gonna
1: get anti-Semites come out of the woodwork. Yes. Because man, anti-semitism has never died. It just kind of changed clothes. And you know, uh my daughter, uh bless her heart, she uh Likes uh, uh, metal music and she dyes her hair blue. And you know, she's uh, got a nose that is the exact nose that my great great grandmother's sisters had. And a lot of people, when they see it, they look at her and go, Well, she has a nose that's kind of curved a little bit, so she must be Jewish, and therefore we can make fun of her because she's a Jew. And she's sitting there going, where did this come from, Dad? And I'm like, they're out there, they're crazier than bedbugs, but the sensational Christians who try to sensationalize this stuff are doing a huge disservice not only to Christians, but to the Jews, because they're trying to caricaturize the Jews as antichrists. Mm -hmm. And the Jews, if Jesus was a Jew and he came preaching normative Judaism, the only difference between what Jesus preached and anybody before him preached was that he equated himself with Yudhavav.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's it. Everything he said was like the prophets of old. Repent. Yep. He wasn't of the uh, the Sadducees, who said, "Well, righteousness is earned by the temple rites," and yeah. he was of the normative Pharisees that said, "Well, not just the temple rites, but you got to observe the traditions of the fathers." Well, mm-hmm. he just cut through all of those uh, crazy things and just said, "It righteousness comes through repentance." And if you can't repent, it doesn't matter about all that other stuff. It's just,
0: you know, empty uh actions. Yep, absolutely. You know, and in and, and even with that, the concept, you know, um was something that was that actually predated Yeshua as well, because you know, within the Talmud, it goes and talks about the uh the concept of uh Adom Harishon and Adom Ha'Achron. You know the first Messiah and and the second or the or the or the first Adam and the final Adam, and yep. Paul you know is basically kind of quoting that. And I think Second Corinthians, if memory serves me correct, and all that you know, so that so that concept is is is, is actually there. But anti-Semitism right now is very much on the rise, very much so. You know, to where it is that uh, you have individuals. On the left side of the political aisle, um that are, you know, really pushing the same thing as the Nazis during World War II. And then you have the 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 small group of the fringe far right that are going the ways of people like Kanye West and David Duke. And all these things that are, you know, also propagating it and kind of having it come full circle in many ways. Yeah,
1: yeah you know, uh, even Moses core the, the little uh, Jewish lady, she set up the uh, Candles Holocaust Museum. And before yeah. she passed, uh, we became friends with her. And oh. during uh, Obama's uh, presidency, she said, man, she said she was so just eyes wide open, she said, I see exactly what happened in Germany prior to the war and during the war happening right there. And this anti-Semitism just going crazy. And what people don't understand is that the Jews didn't kill Jesus, okay? The Romans really didn't kill Jesus because he said, Ain't nobody kills me. I lay down my own life, and I pick it up. So if he didn't want to be what he was and didn't want to be nailed on a cross, the Romans or Jews, anybody, couldn't have done anything. Mm -hmm. At the time of the death of the high priest, all blood guilt ceased, and forgiveness was upon the people. So. The the Jews were already forgiven 2,000 years ago. So we don't need to hold Jesus's death, the Messiah's death against the Jews. We don't need to hold it against the Romans. We don't need to hold it against anybody. What we need to do-
0: Except ourselves.
1: Yeah, that's right. Because we were the people who were sinful and it was because of us that, he sacrificed himself, mm-hmm. but we have to understand that the only thing that can save us is repentance,
0: yeah
1: and, and we'll be one with the messiah and and
0: the, and the that's thing, thing what's is I, yeah I think I think one of the things that people have a hard time differentiating is they may try and justify. The um, anti-Semitism by saying, well, you know, the guy that is going to be over, you know, who's going to do all of these things in the Holy Temple and declare himself to be the Messiah when he's not is, you know, he's going to have to be Jewish. And, And that is true in order to be in the Holy Temple, you know, especially that part of the Holy Temple. You know, yep. some some goy is not going to go in there, but no. the thing is, the thing I would tell you to do is look for a Jew that, however, acts like a nohar who is not bringing people to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not pointing to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but rather focusing in on this is my genealogy, I am from this lineage, and the whole me 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 i i i that over and over again the junuka however he's like i don't want any of i don't want any of the spotlight he doesn't want it you know no it's the spotlight
1: to be solely on Ave, the god of abraham isaac jacob that everything he preaches is what do i say to bring about a greater relationship between these people and their God yeah it was the Antichrist he would say you don't even need God God's not, not right. important anymore that the you know the state has taken this role or that I will fulfill uh this role of a messiah through the actions of the state uh he doesn't want you to even think about God, He wants it all to be about self. And in yep. that vein, there's plenty of Antichrist teachings and, mm-hmm. and stuff going on out here that, you know, we don't need just one individual because we got tens of thousands of people out here being the spirit of the Antichrist preaching against God.
0: Oh, absolutely. 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 Well, brother, um, it's getting to be about that time. It was great having you on. Well, I appreciate it. it. Absolutely, and it'd be good to have you on again at some point. Just whenever you want to, just give me a buzz. Excellent. Sounds like a plan there, brother.
1: All right. Well, have a happy Hanukkah and uh, a Merry Christmas time, and uh, be sure to eat too much.
0: (laughs) I'm a type 1 diabetic, uh, but Uh, you know. uh, yeah, I, I make you... everybody happy when my blood sugar is higher rather than lower. So uh, I think I can get away with that. <laughs> the small morsels. I hear you, brother. Well, it was it was great having you on. Shalom, bro. Peace and a blessing there, brother.
1: Shalom. Bye-bye. Excellent.